Hey, Church Online. I wonder how many of you out there are board game fans? Honestly, my family is not really into them, but I do remember playing Monopoly as a child. Y'all remember the get out of jail free card? You know, sometimes in the game you get stuck in jail, but if you have one of these cards, you can get out. Did y'all know that there is a get out of church free card? Okay, good, because neither did I. But apparently my son was asked for two get out of church free cards. You see, we have a family who is currently in Brazil and the son who is one of Cade's best friends asked for some excused absences. Now you got to ask why. Well, since this family has been coming to our church since last March, they haven't missed one weekend. And you know what? We don't take attendance, but I know that's kind of crazy. But why is this middle school boy asking for a pass to get out of church? Why does he even care? Because many of us, we miss church because kind of like the old saying, that ain't no thing but a chicken wing. I think the reason why this kid cares so much is part of both their Brazilian Christian culture, but also something that we find out of today's passage in the book of Daniel. You know, when I went to Brazil last March, God told me that he wanted me to learn some things from them. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Meaning the same Holy Spirit that fills us here in Glastonbury, Connecticut, is the same one that's in South America. We are one spiritual family. Therefore, when I go to Brazil, it's not so that I can help the poor Brazilians, though if there are some that need help, I want to do that. But it's also because they have something that I need, that we need. So I want to go there and I want to learn it. And then I want to bring it back so that it is a benefit to the whole body, to the rest of the body of Christ. And one thing that I've noticed about Brazilian Christians is that they show up. There's church on Sunday, they show up. If there's a life group, they show up. If there's an outreach event, they show up. If we have a ministry fair and we're asking people to sign up for ministries, they sign up for them all. And the biblical word for showing up is faithfulness. And the reason why this boy is asking my son for a get out of church free pass is because he has been taught that faithfulness matters. He values it. And it's a lesson that we all need. And it's one that we're going to find in Daniel chapter six. But before we jump in, I want to mention another reason why I am excited about today's chapter. I was reading the book of Matthew the other day, and Jesus has just died on the cross, and he rises again three days later. And some of the women who had been planning to visit the grave, they see the stone is rolled away, and then they hear an angel say that Jesus is alive. He's not here anymore. And in verse 8, of Matthew 28, it says this, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give 
the disciples the angel's message. I love that phrase. They were frightened, but filled with great joy. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, I want this experience for myself. I want to be so blown away by God and the miracles that he's doing in my life, in my family, in my church, and in my community, that I'm both scared out of my mind and also filled with joy. Like, is this even real? I think that would be so fun. But then I also thought, why isn't this part of my normal Christian experience? Why do we sing songs like God of Wonders or the God of the Impossible or Waymaker, Miracle Worker, but then so rarely personally experience the words that we sing to the point where we're both terrified and yet filled with great joy? Well, Matthew also wrote, and so he, that is Jesus, did only a few miracles because of their unbelief. I wonder if our mundane version of Christianity is a little bit due to our little bit of faith. That because we have not valued showing up, we miss opportunities to believe God for the impossible. And if that's the case, I want to change that because I truly want that resurrection experience to be both terrified and filled with joy. And I think Daniel 6 can help us live this way. So just a quick recap, Daniel and many other Jewish people, they have been brought to Babylon as slaves by King Nebuchadnezzar who has destroyed Jerusalem. And then God has powerfully used Daniel to both give hope to his own people, but also show the world God's power. And Daniel has often supernaturally interpreted dreams, but most recently he interpreted some writing on the wall that was written to King Belshazzar. And Daniel's interpretation came true. The sinful king dies that very night along with the Babylonian Empire as the Persians under the rule of King Darius take over the world. And then verse 1 starts off this way. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king would not suffer loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And so once again, we are introduced to a new king in the book. Historians and scholars have debated over Darius because the information on him is limited. But of all the explanations that I read about, I think one makes the most sense, and it is the fact that he is actually King Cyrus of Persia, and that Darius was just another name for him. I'll explain why I prefer this later. And this new king, like Nebuchadnezzar, has become a fan of Daniel. Daniel is old at this time, but God is still powerfully using him. And he has favor in the king's eyes for one specific reason. And verse 4 says it. It says, because he was faithful. He was a man with a godly character, or as the passage put it, he had an excellent spirit. If I were to put it another way, Daniel always showed up. 
and he believed God. But this didn't only show up in his worship, or to put it in our context, it didn't only show up when he was on church on Sunday, but it showed up everywhere in his life, in his relationships too. And the king noticed this. So he had plans to set Daniel once again over everything. But then once again, the haters come out of the woods. But the power of faithfulness is real. And when you choose to show up for God and believe what he says, you are going to experience the goodness of God and it's going to be hard for haters to find fault with you. Verse 5 says, Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Church family, let me give you a heads up. When you make a choice to be faithful to God, you have just put a target on your back. You have just shown up on the enemy's radar and he will start attacking you because of your faithfulness to God. So don't be surprised. It's nothing new. It happened to Daniel and still happening to us. Verse six, then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. You know what? These haters, they're sneaky. Isn't it interesting how much effort and creativity people can put into practicing evil? Like if they would just put that much effort and creativity into having a faithful, godly character, they would receive the same favor Daniel was receiving. But they would rather invest it into evil, into being unfaithful. And yet their unfaithfulness connects to this unfaithful king. Now, the reason I call him that is because this plan appeals to his vanity. Oh, king, what you should do is you should write this unchangeable law that everyone must worship you for the next 30 days. And if not, they die. Now, we're not sure why it was 30 days, but the king was like, all right, bet. Yet in this selfish act, the king forgets about his friend Daniel. He is unfaithful to his friend. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had previously done. I can't decide if my favorite Bible character is Paul or Daniel. That's hard because when I read about Daniel, it inspires me to be more faithful to God. This verse is powerful. There is so much good stuff here. Like when Daniel hears about this law that threatens him, it doesn't impact his godly character. He is faithful. He keeps on worshiping God just as he has always done. I love how one Bible commentator says Daniel would rather be eaten by lions than stop praying. Man, that's good. I want to be like that. But as I was studying, I asked myself, am I like that? Remember, it's only 30 days. All he had to do was close those open windows and pray. Or he could pray in the privacy of his heart or not at all. It's only 30 days. 
I mean, if something was to happen to us like that today, what would our faithfulness look like? Would it disappear for a month so that we could save our lives? Or how about this? What does our faithfulness look like right now when nobody is threatening us because of our faith? I mean, do we disappear for 30 days even though we have the freedom to worship daily? My friends, faithfulness matters. Jesus said, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. To apply this to our text, if we aren't faithful to worship God in freedom, why do we think we do it in persecution? Because to be honest, we won't. Jesus said it. In the parable of the four soils, Jesus said some of us are like this. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the word of God and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You know what? I don't want to be like that, do you? So how do we change this? We'll look at Daniel's life. I love how verse 10 says, Daniel already had windows open towards Jerusalem and continued to pray three times a day. This was part of his daily routine. He didn't start praying because he was persecuted. He continued praying because he was faithful. His faithfulness was developed by small daily disciplines. And if we want to be faithful, we got to start with small things too. I love how Pastor Craig Rochelle says, it's the small things no one sees that lead to the big results everyone wants. So what small practice can you make daily to increase your faithfulness? Maybe it's reading your YouVersion Bible app every single day. Maybe it's praying three times a day. The Bible doesn't say how long Daniel was praying. You could start if you need to with one minute, three times a day. But before we move on, uh, there's something else in this passage that I want to mention. Why is Daniel praying towards Jerusalem? Well, in 1 King chapter 8, King Solomon has just built the temple of God. And as he's dedicating it to God, he prays this. If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, you might become angry with them and let their enemies conquer them and take them captive to a land far away or near. But in that land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray, we have sinned done evilly and acted wickedly. If they turn to you with their whole heart and soul in the land of their enemies and pray toward the land you gave to their ancestors, towards this city, Jerusalem, you have chosen, and towards this temple I have built to the honor of your name, then hear their prayers and their petition from heaven where you live and uphold their cause. Daniel is praying towards Jerusalem because he's being faithful to God's word. But here's what's more crazy. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar has already destroyed the temple, yet Daniel still prays towards the temple. Why? Because Daniel knew what Solomon also prayed earlier in that prayer. And it says this, verse 27, but will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. What Daniel knew was that the temple was gone, but God isn't. God is still on the throne. He is still all-powerful, still victorious, and still in control. He is still Lord. And so Daniel remains faithful and prays. I love that because it puts it 
in perspective for us. Not, not, nothing should impact our faithfulness to God because nothing ever impacts God. God never changes. No matter what circumstance we face, we can remain faithful to God who is always in control. Verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but he makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was in much distress and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Daniel's faithfulness cost him. But check this out. The king's unfaithfulness cost him too. And as I was reading this story, I began to think, who is this ordeal or this trial really for? Who is supposed to benefit from whatever God is about to do? Is it Daniel? Because notice how Daniel is never shaken. Nebuchadnezzar makes him a slave and he's like, all right, God, I trust you. I need to interpret some impossible dreams. All right, God, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to trust you. My friends get thrown into a fire. Okay, God, we trust you. A new kingdom takes over. All right, God, I trust you. And now they say that I can't worship you or I'll get thrown into the lion's den. All right, God, I trust you. While I'm sure Daniel does grow through what he's experiencing, I'm not entirely convinced this ordeal is for Daniel's benefit. Daniel is solid. You know who isn't? King Darius. We see Darius take over an empire, and he's like, yay. And then he's like, oh, snap, there's a lot of territories. Who's going to help me? And he's stressed out. And then he says, I got people like Daniel, and then he's cheering again. And they even suggest these people who are helping him, they're like, we want to worship you only for 30 days. And he's like, yeah, people like me. Uh-oh, I didn't think about how my selfishness was going to kill my best guy, and there's nothing I can do to save him. And once again, he is down and sad. Darius is on this roller coaster, up and down, up and down. And I have a feeling that there's actually two stories being told here in chapter 6. One story shows us how to be faithful, and the other story shows us why faithfulness matters. Daniel teaches us how to live, but Darius is going to teach us why it matters to live that way. We learn from both. But Darius seems to be the one who is actually learning from these circumstances. So let's continue. Verse 19, Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out with a tone of anguish, 
The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Again, notice the roller coaster Darius on. He was up and down, up and down. Now he's literally in despair as he asks this question. Verse 21, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I've done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king is now exceedingly glad. But Daniel remains solid. He remains victoriously composed as if to tell everyone I know in whom I trust. I know that God. He is faithful, so I'm going to remain faithful. Verse 24, And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the dens, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Here's another lesson for us. The haters who invested their lives into unfaithfulness, it cost them. Sin is no joke. The apostle Paul wrote, for the wages of sin is death. We see that truth here, but here's another scary truth. Your sin, your unfaithfulness doesn't just impact you. It impacts those around you too. It wasn't just the accusers who got thrown into the lions. Their families suffered too. How we live impacts our families. And so how is our faithfulness or unfaithfulness impacting those that we love? But here's something I want to tell you. There is good news because our faithfulness can also impact unfaithful people in an eternally positive way. Because look at what happens to Darius, who started off unfaithful. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Like King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, King Darius is changed by encountering the God of Daniel. Darius started off unfaithful, just like the haters, but his ending is different. And I think this tells us something. Regardless of our past, if we still have breath, we got a choice to change. And as Darius saw Daniel's faithfulness, Rather, as he saw how Daniel's God saves or rescues the faithful, he changed his mind and he began to worship. And that's why our faithfulness matters. It matters because it impacts others. Verse 28, so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Here's why I like the option that Darius is actually King Cyrus of Persia. This verse could be translated, Daniel prospered under Darius. That is the reign of Cyrus of Persia. But also, let me share with you another verse, Ezra chapter 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord was uh, by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit 
of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah and rebuild the house of God, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem and let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold and with goods and with beasts besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Cyrus or Darius funds the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Why would a pagan king do this? Could it be that it's because he saw Daniel's faithfulness, the one who faithfully prayed towards this city, towards Jerusalem daily, and as he observed that faithfulness, he was changed? I think so. And so as we begin to close, here's my point. If you have been unfaithful before, you can change. Don't take your unfaithfulness lightly. It has consequences. But God shows us faithful people like Daniel for a reason. And it's so that we might choose to live differently and trust in God. And let's not miss the greater message here. Daniel's story, it points to Jesus. When Daniel is wrongly accused and sentenced to death, but then rises from the pit completely unharmed, does this not point us to the cross and resurrection. Jesus, who was without sin, was sentenced to, to death because of unfaithfulness. He hung on the cross and put in the grave for our sin, but yet he rises from the dead three days later, glorified, unharmed, and victorious over sin and death. And now, like Darius, we, as we hear this, we all have the choice, and we have a choice to, uh, on how we're going to answer this question. And the question is, who are we going to trust Will we be faithful and trust in Jesus, the God who saved Daniel? Or will we be unfaithful and continue to selfishly trust in ourselves and either get backed into a corner and live in despair like Darius, or even worse, get thrown into the lion's den forever? I think Darius gives us clearly the best option. In verse 26, when he says, I decree that everyone in my kingdom should worship the God of Daniel. And so today, where is your faith? Let me encourage you, turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus. Additionally, for those of us who already faithfully follow Jesus, let me ask you again, do you want to experience the power of God in your life? Well, if so, then be faithful like Daniel. Show up and don't hide your faith. Because you know what? You can only experience the God of the impossible when you allow yourself to be in some impossible situations. And so I wonder, what has God been asking you to either, to either do, but you have been delaying or even denying it because honestly, what you really want to do is you want to selfishly protect the comfort and control that you have in your life. Remember that verse from Matthew I read earlier when I said that Jesus didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief? I want us to consider Mark's version. Mark writes it this way. He says, and Jesus could do no mighty work there except that he healed a few people, but Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. I don't know about you, but 
I don't want Jesus to marvel at my unfaithfulness. I want to walk in faithfulness like Daniel and then be able to marvel at God as he powerfully moves. And here's the thing I see about Daniel. He never pursued the control of his circumstances. He always entrusted all of those circumstances into the hands of his faithful God. And so today I leave you with that thought. Your faithfulness matters. So how will you choose to live? Let's pray. God, you are faithful, so please help us to be faithful. Forgive us for our sins, for our unfaithfulness and selfishness. Save us from this pit we have been thrown in, whether it's by our own doing or by others. We entrust our lives to you so that one day we can hear you say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.